This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, happy Easter and a very warm welcome to the Total Saints podcast. This is our weekly get together where we discuss the last seven days supporting Southampton Football Club. Now we're live streaming our podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch and YouTube. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure that you subscribe to the channel to be the first to see our new videos. As always, a massive thank you to our TSP patrons who make all of this possible. You can visit patreon.com forward slash Total Saints podcast to find out more about getting involved. Coming up this week on the pod, it was a sellout at St Mary's for the visit of the reigning champions Manchester City, but another afternoon to forget for Saints. We'll look back at that game. And it's a huge match against Crystal Palace. Up next, we'll preview the make-or-break game. My name's Martin Stark, and I'm joined this week by Steve Grant, who is the owner of Saints Web. Glenda Lacour is the writer of the blog League One Minus Ten. And it's a welcome back to Jacob Tanswell, who's the Southampton reporter at The Athletic. All underpinned by our TSP patrons, this is episode 228 of the Total Saints podcast. Your home for everything Southampton FC. From dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews. Live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Total Saints podcast. So 4-1, the final score at St Mary's this weekend. Saints' 19th defeat of the season. Um, Glenn, for 44 minutes, it was pretty even. What were your thoughts on the game? Yeah, it was. First half, we were decent. I mean, he, he set us up in a, well, 4-3-3 or 4-6-0, depending on your point of view, <laughs> um, with a false nine and a false midfielder and a false goalkeeper. Um, <laughs> the f- first half was all right. I guess um, there were a few warnings, mainly through Jack Grealish down the left-hand side. We just seemed to leave him in acres of space. We had a couple of chances. Suleimana had that one on the break where he proved why he never scores a goal at the end of it by shinning it through to the keeper. We put over we put over a few decent crosses, but because we didn't have a striker, we didn't have anyone to get on the end of them. It was a really nice cross from Elianusi into Alcaraz, which would have been ideal for um, for a proper centre forward, like the six foot eight bloke we've got who might have got his head to that. 
the goal on half time was, you know, was was a little bit unfortunate. He's headed it from six yards. So I, again, I'm wondering where the goalkeeper is. You've you've got to be coming out and punching that. That ball was in the air a long time, and so for me, he should have done better with that, or should have done something with that. Half time, we seemed to um, we he changed the formation to get to get two up front, and we we kind of went four four two, and I, I guess that was to shore up the issue with um, with Grealish on the the left hand side having loads of space. But Walcott and Maitland Niles just didn't really bother defending. We, we we were trying to press, and when we when we got played through. The space was always there for Grealish. Second goal was obviously scored by him. By him, Bazuna made a decent save there, but unfortunately the ball went straight back to Grealish. Haaland's brilliant goal, three 0 I mean, it's it's just a wonderful finish. It's not it's not for me. It's not so much the uh, the acrobatics. It's it's the way he moves his feet to get in the position to to get that. That that's a that's an absolute sort of quality bit of movement from. I mean, he's a, he's he's a brilliant player. It's funny; he touches the ball three times, but the ball ends up in the net Scored twice, goals, and, yeah. <laughs> and that's all anyone remembers. And and he's he's just fabulous at that. We bring. I mean, I was I was like dying when he brought on the two subs, Mara and Gineppo. But to be fair, they um, they can. I mean, Gineppo tackled his way through three players, didn't they? And um, tackled and stumbled his way through, and. Um, and Mara scored. That's the benefit of having a striker on the pitch, I guess. But it just seemed to annoy them. <laughs> they went straight up the other end, and it was the clearest penalty you've ever seen in your life. Like in the bees' nest, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, you've scored, but we can score whenever we want. And uh, yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a clattering foul. Yeah, four-one. And it, I mean, it could have got nasty at the end. There was some um, there was some sort of decent decent play in defence. I was I was impressed with Bednarek. I said that on Twitter. I thought he I thought he played really well. And uh, he pulled off a couple of blocks in the last ten minutes to keep it down to um, to four one. And um, yeah, I have to say he does seem to have turned a corner the last because he's put together now about four or five decent games in a row after he had um, a couple of uh, dodgy ones when he first came back. So at, at the end of the day, it's it's no real damage done. We whatever we put on the pitch, we the chances are we would have lost on um, on Saturday, but. Um, Again, I, I don't feel like we gave ourselves a, a chance to win it. Last week, I was I was talking about the fact that Ruben just seemed to copy Ralph's tactics, and I was I was fully expecting the the four two two two. I'll give him that he at least tried something different, but I, I don't think it was um, a, a particularly good way to go. That it was a it was a partial success, and that we didn't let City really dominate possession in the first half, but. Um, but ultimately, it was you know the second half was was kind of disappointing. I thought, and um, you know we we never gave ourselves a chance to get back into the game. Mm. We'll get into some of the the personnel and the the team selection in just a bit. Steve, aside from the result, was that a better performance in a funny sort of way than it was last week at West Ham, which seemed quite flat? It felt for certainly that first half that they gave it a better go. Yeah, def- I mean there was there was definitely a very obvious plan, and we we had certainly a, a method in mind of how we were going to cause them trouble. And it was basically going to be on a combination of counter-attacks where, they, where they're perhaps a little bit sloppy. I mean, certainly that Suleiman one, I mean, you, you won't see um, De Bruyne be that slack, sort of having such little awareness of what was going on around him very often. And I mean, the, re- the rest of his performance was pretty much faultless. Um, so I think that, that maybe kind of jolted him into, into sort of waking up um, a little bit for the rest of the game, but yeah, we 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 had a we had a plan, and it and to be honest, first half I 
I actually really enjoyed that first half. Yeah. You could tell that there was there was an energy, but we weren't going completely gung ho. We weren't trying to um, press the hell out of them because I mean there was that one movement, wasn't there, where we were pressing them really well, and we you could tell that that the players had kind of spotted that right. This is the trigger, right, and that, and and now we're going to press them, press them all over, and force them into the corner and force them to give the ball back to us. But at the end of the day, City are are probably the only team in the league that are good enough to get themselves out of that position. Um, and they played it really well and, la- and launched a counter-attack, um, which I think is the one where Bazzuni made that save from Grealish. And yeah, you, you could see what we were trying to do, where we were trying to do it, and that we weren't kind of just doing, just pressing all the time. Because realistically, you're, nev- you're never going to be able to keep that up for for 90 minutes against, against any team in this league, really. Mm-hmm. Um, let alone a team that's as comfortable in possession as, as City are. And yeah, I think the only frustration was that, as Glenn said, we, we worked ourselves probably three good, good opportunities. Didn't muster three shots from them. That's the problem. We've only, we've only really had one, um, one actual shot. If you, if you can even count the, the sort of cross, cross shot that Sulemana put, put over. So that was, that was probably the, the one disappointment disappointment in that first half that we didn't take advantage of probably actually creating the, the clearest the clearest yeah. opportunities probably clearer chances than than city did for the for most of that first half um but ultimately we are where we are because we don't take advantage of these situations we don't convert chances when when they're presented to us and yeah de bruyne put, puts one on a plate for um for harland what six seven yards out and I mean, I'd fancy my chances of scoring that header, to be honest. Um, it was, it was. I mean, dead centre of goal. You've literally just got to get it on target and don't hit it at the keeper. I mean, let's, also, let's be fair, many of our players would have done exactly that. Um, the, the way this season, the way this season's gone, it's just, you you know, those are the sort of He's chances not wrong. That, we, that, we, that we would absolutely miss. Yeah. Um, second half's a little bit more disappointing, as Glenn said, but you also have to recognise that City did massively turn up the turn up the heat in that second half first five ten we were okay obviously dropping dropping a little bit deeper but um we still looked as if we were well in shape and then once i get this once i get the second goal yeah a little bit little bit of fortune in terms of the way the ball um the ball fell back to Grealish. but we gave we gave him too much um too much time and space on that on that counter attack i think if the way when you're playing against a team like city you can't get you can't be the ones that get counterattacked. Okay, fine. If they carve if they carve you open with with some free flowing football like they did to win the penalty for the fourth goal, um, fine. Um, yeah. Stick your hands up. You say, okay, they they've just outplayed us there. But we've somehow got caught with um, leaving them leaving them with four attackers against three of us. And I mean, there's only there's only ever going to be one outcome unless they make a complete pig's ear of it, which they don't tend to. And De Bruyne's pass into Grealish, he didn't have to break stride. That's that's the difference between the top players and good players, is that those passes are weighted perfectly. They're put in, they're put into the player's path, so they don't have to they don't have to check their run. I mean, how many times have we seen our like when we've had a counter-attacking opportunity, we we spread a ball wide for somebody who, if you put it into their path, they're on a run, they're on a kind of clear run in in on goal, and yet we put the ball. A yard we put the ball kind of where they were when the pass was made so as as they're continuing running all of a sudden they're two yards ahead of the ball so they then have to check back and and retrieve it and the momentum of the of the of the break is gone city don't do that everything is, no. is so pin, fluid. Pinpoint. 
Mm. And yeah, and Grealish in the form that he's been been in most of this season. And as Glenn said, good save by Bazunu, but he's he's never missing uh, missing the rebound there. Mm. And from that point, we were it was kind of a case of right, okay, let's let's just sit in and and hope. It's kind of almost a hope for the best at that at that point because City were were fairly rampant. We lost our shape a little bit and um, gave them gave them far too much room for that for that third goal. Good goal for us to get back, but yeah, we that was very much a sort of poking the bear strike to um, to deny them deny them those those tidy clean sheet bonuses. So um, yeah, the, no huge surprise when they went straight down the other end and um, and got a, got a fourth goal. But I mean, as as we've as we've said before, that this season won't be made or break made or broken based on games against the likes of City, Arsenal, and Liverpool. It's it's the the games of against the teams around us where ultimately at the moment it looks like we're um we're gonna fail relatively yeah. miserably. Yeah, it's the one we've got coming up. Um Jacob, you were there at the weekend, very little between the teams as we've said in that first half, but then ultimately City were just different class. It was it was world class players that, that won the game. Yeah, definitely. I, I haven't really got a problem with how Salamson set up to start off with. I was all throughout the week, I was quite concerned with who would be up front. I don't think Onoachu was the type of player that was suited to Man City, especially if Slamton want to press in pockets. He hasn't got that energy. He hasn't got that speed off the mark to, to press. He, has a, he can't link. He can't really drop into the 10 and, and then allow Suleiman and Walcott to run either side of him. And I just feel like if he did he did play, then I think Slamton would be increasingly isolated and they wouldn't probably have that same counter-attacking threat that they had with the extra mobility of Alcaraz and Suleiman and Walcott. So I didn't mind it. I thought it was quite good. I like, I like the type of runs they made in that first half of Suleiman and Walcott making that run between centre-backs and full-back at Man City. And there was a few opportunities there, a few openings, which you probably expect from a home team, um, but obviously haven't got that quality. And I think as the game wore on, although Samson kind of sunk deeper, they were, I thought the midfield kind of looked a little bit ragged. I thought Lavi his energy when Will Prowse was diving in and he got played around a few times and when that happens then De Bruyne is in that half space in in those positions and he, he's just stunning isn't he? I think there was a moment in that first half where he did that no look one touch just over his shoulder to Grealish and you've seen that level of awareness to spot those pitches so early uh, when everything's 100 miles per hour is what separates separates the teams and shows the golf um, so I think Southampton did this as good as they could but I think the reason why there's you know negativity after the performance is not really to do it with the performance it's because of all the other missed opportunities Slams have had and now it doesn't matter who Slams are playing against in these final eight, eight ten nine eight games that they have to win these games and it does and mm. that's why Slams fans were so disappointed uh, yesterday because I think you know if they play with that level of intensity from the first half against West Ham then they could have got a couple of goals you saw you know West Ham were extremely vulnerable aside from what happened at Fulham the other yesterday um, and Slams should have punished him there but I just think the level of intensity you just think why can't they bring that every single game and that's for me the most frustrating thing and you'd have spoken to or been in the press conference with Pep afterwards and he, <laughs> he described the, the game plan as brilliant he's, he's he just got this weird habit of praising us um even if we've um just rolled over and had our bellies tickled but well but especially when we've we rolled over them. and had our bellies tickled <laughs> We, we stopped them playing, right? And, and, yeah. and he was saying the game plan worked really well and it was causing him some problems. So, uh, so, so clearly yeah. we were doing a lot right. 
I love Pep Guardiola when he talks about Southampton because it could have even been the Pellegrino side and he was complimenting them, wasn't he? You had, you know, he's tell, telling everyone how good Nathan Redmond was in the past. He tells everyone how, you know, Slams were the best pressing side under Rojas. And so I just think he's, if, if he wants to manage Southampton, then yeah, the opportunity's there. I think Southampton would have said no to it. He seems to like the club a lot. Yes, we uh, would. But... We'd, t- we'd turn it down. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, Consult I do the think, spreadsheet. <laughs> I, do think, I do think Ruben Sellers was quite clever. Though. I thought the rotation was really good. I thought, Ellie Nunes, I watched the game back this morning. Although, you know, he's often criticised. And when you look at him on the team, you think, oh, God. There were a few times when he just nicked in and you think, that's why, that's why he's in the team. Uh, that pressing, nicking in number 10. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think Sam's were good that first 35 minutes. But, yeah. Pep got asked whether Slams were good. He wasn't going to say anything else, was he? No, I suppose. Glenn, there was also a few discussions after the game about this false number nine. And I get the impression <laughs> that's probably not how, how you just set up. I know that we, uh, um, we've been looking at Man City and we've been taking their members of staff. We've been taking some of their academy <laughs> players and we've been trying to replicate what they do. But I don't think setting yeah. up the same way they do and did last year with that false nine is ever going to work for us when we need goals with eight or nine games to go. Yeah, I mean, even when we had two up front, when he pushed Suleimana up front, you know, you've, you've got a non-scoring winger and a midfield player playing as your two strikers. And it's just, is that going to work really? I, I, I just don't see it. The false, the false nine thing, it really needs to be a striker who can play deeper. I mean, the, the player that we've got who could play that role, I feel, is probably Che Adams. But, I, I'm, you know, Alcaraz is a, and he's nowhere near the, near this level, but he's a he's like a Frank Lampard type midfielder, isn't he? He's breaking forward from the midfield and arriving on the edge of the box and getting shots off, things like that. Um, so I, I don't think it particularly suited him. Yeah, I mean, I mean, when the team was when the eleven names were read out, I assume Walcott was up front on his own. So there was there was an element of surprise there, and I'll I'll, I'll give I'll give Ruben Sellers that that. I didn't really know what was going on, and obviously I watch this team every week. But uh, <laughs> but uh, it, yeah, I mean, like I say, it was it was okay for restricting Man City with the um, with the amount of possession they had, and it you know the the press did cause them a few problems. But the, you know there were incidents in the first half; they played through it two or three times, and it, it just it just looked like murder when they got past. You know, it was like a couple of passes, and suddenly we had six players in front of the ball. And we got away with it in the first half, and in and in the second half we didn't. So um, qualified success, but you 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 can't play that way against. I mean, maybe they'll revisit it when we go to Arsenal, but you you can't you can absolutely cannot play that way in the games that matter this season, which are the next. I think it's the next three home games. Is it? Palace, Bournemouth, and Fulham. Uh, yes, Palace, Bournemouth, and then Fulham. Yeah, and then yeah. Liverpool. The last and then, game. Yeah. And then Liverpool. You, you, you can't, you can't set up like that in 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 games where you have to go out and score a goal. It's just, it's just, um, it, it's just not on. So I, I didn't particularly like it in the second half. But I think we 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 persevered with um, with what we were doing for for too long, like like we did at West Ham. To me, we wasted twenty minutes or so until we until we put a proper striker on, and by that time the game was the game was gone. But as I said, whatever he'd done, you know, City were City are and were world class, and you know, players like De Bruyne, it's just it's just ri- ridiculous how good he is and how easy he makes the game. That look. pass, that pass where he hooked it over his shoulder to Grealish and knew yeah. exactly where he was 
um, despite clearly having no uh, no ability to look that far behind it's, him, which is extraordinary. In, it's in-game intelligence. He probably mm-hmm. he probably knew straight away that Saints have got too many players in front of the ball. The right winger won't have tracked back. The chances are, you know, and Saints are always narrow, aren't they? When we're defending, we always we always defend narrow. The midfield's narrow. The the, the fullbacks are narrow. He probably thought Grealish will stay out there. I've probably got a ninety-nine percent chance of this connecting, and he he didn't learn he didn't learn that out of any playbook. That's that's in-game intelligence. It is, that's you know, it, yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know, it's it's ridiculous to t- talk about us in the context of Kevin De Bruyne because he's absolutely, you know, he's he's absolutely world class. But um, but yeah, it was it was an amazing performance by him. And um, I say when when Haaland scored his um, his second goal, there was there was actually sort of like smattering of applause at our end, and it was that was yeah, you know, uh, you know and most but, well, Bella Kotchap was just kind of stood there watching, going, "What the hell is he going to do?" And yeah, I mean, a lot of, he a was lot almost of, like going to start clapping. I think a lot of people don't like that sort of thing, but you know, I just think well against Manchester City playing as they were, I just think, you know... We're enough. not going to see him next season, are we? Uh, <laughs> not, no, not unless we... Um, Make the most of it. it, it uh, we're in danger in of... Him in the League Cup. <laughs> Overanalyzing a game which we were never going to win and there were plenty of teams that have lost by four or more goals to, to Man City this season. So I just want to concentrate on a few things that Sellers said afterwards. And I don't know if you picked up on this, Steve, but I don't know whether he's just not reading the room or whether it's his inexperience, but he was talking about how the team needs time. And he was saying, you know, we're getting there. And to me, when I heard that and when I read that, I'm just screaming that time is literally the only thing we don't have. We're, we're running out of time. He's, he's got to try something different. Yeah, there's a there does seem to be a lack of kind of appreciation of the sort of urgency of all of this, which is fairly extraordinary. It's not not that difficult to find a league table. They're they're kind of everywhere, whether it's in a newspaper on a on a website, on a on well, a that was the other thing he said, oh we're not looking at the league table. We're just concentrating on the game. Every- You've got to start looking at the league table because it looks awful. He's, he's he's literally the only person not looking at a league table. <laughs> and I don't believe that um, either. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean I don't know whether I mean this this kind of comes from this kind of feels like one of those sort of media trained um, sort of schools of oh you n- you never admit when you're when you're sort of up against it and in and sort of backs to the wall. But, but actually, in this situation, I kind of think well, actually no, you you don't ha- you you absolutely don't have time. You don't have time to mould something. You've got but the part of the part of the reason I think for for Sellers being given the job was that. He obviously was was entirely familiar with um, with Ralph's playbook and the way that the way that that system was set up over over a number of years. With, uh, I mean, given the given what we've seen this season, actually in previous seasons, with a relative degree of success. And as a result, okay, fine. We've got a man. We've got a guy here who can implement that system again, um, being slightly friendlier with the players and not being so cold with players he's leaving out and the, this, that, and the other. Um, and hopefully that will be enough to squeeze enough results out of out of this squad. We get to the summer and everyone can have a um, take a step back and have a look at where we where where we stand and what we want to do. Mm. And you can kind of go again with with preseason whether you want to keep keep the guy in charge or um, or bring in somebody with a little bit a little bit more experience, a little bit more pedigree. And yet, yeah, he's he's trying. He's saying that oh, these these players need time. No, I mean the point of you being here is that. You don't need time. You've you've got the you 
you know how this system works. The players know how the system works. Implement the system properly. And yeah, we've that's kind of not not really what what he's suggesting is going on, which just feels baffling. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Really? I think one of the other things Glennie was talking about, building an identity. And you know, this is the oh, sort whatever. of stuff you talk about in August, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, when yeah. you get towards, you just, and, and then the thing I think I also read today was he said he won't be changing the approach in the final eight games. So it, it he's, seems like yeah. he's going to, he's just going to go down and without f- even trying. That's going to fill everyone with confidence, isn't it? It's, um, it's yeah, it's, as Steve says, it's, it's trust the process rubbish, isn't it? Um, everyone's got processes. We've got processes at work. You know, say, we, say we've got 10 processes. If three of them are proved to be not very good, we 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 bid them off, and it, it just seems it's a bit like that hot fuzz film where they were all walking around like zombies, going <laughs> for the greater good. It's it's a little bit like that. Um, Should we go to the Winchester and wait for, wait for it all? To yeah, blow wait over. for it to blow over. If but... you've never seen it, it's probably on ITV two tomorrow. <laughs> it's on every it's on every bank holiday. Uh, it? It's um, yeah. I mean, it's the, the urgency is is paramount. The the teams that quite often teams get relegated who are like sleepwalking towards it and Leicester are yep. at the yeah. moment yeah. and so are Saints and we're, we're going to get we're going to get to the stage where we have one week where you know like if we if we lose to Palace we'll probably be seven points adrift or something mm. I mean I, I still yeah it's still unbelievable it's only four isn't it but um, you know we need to win games now Everton I I mean I'd, I'd be willing to bet money Everton will not get relegated because Sean Dyche has come in he recognises the situation they're in and they are going to kick and fight and punch and bite anybody and they are going to find ways to get results I watched their game against Tottenham and yes Tottenham were pathetic and Everton are not a good footballing team at all but the way they fought and scrapped it's it's like a million miles away from where we are I mean they're they're, they're rubbish but I bet they don't go down does because... it come back to another wrong appointment? Because we'll get onto the Palace game in just a moment, and I was the first to laugh when Roy Hodgson went in there. But that's someone that's got a bit of Premier League experience, and actually, all of a sudden, they're scoring goals. Twenty-five percent of their season goals in the last week. So, so, were we? Did we jump too early with the appointment? Do you think they? Um, yes, I think we did, but we've already messed up once, so we didn't have the luxury, probably, of giving it another four or five games. I remember, I remember Steve saying at the time that we. We probably should have left it two or three games. But if we'd left it two or three games, you know, where would we have been then and, and who could we have got? I'd be interested to see if Jesse Marsh does anything at Leicester. It seems like he's going to go in there. And obviously, you know, we we wanted him. Yeah, like Steve said just now, I, I expected Sellers to have, you know, to know what had gone wrong <laughs> and be able to to hit the ground running and then you know obviously we had we had a couple of results which were both earned in the same way by 
attacking in the first half and then defending the hell out of it. And now we seem to have switched round and we're, we're going for keeping everything tight and 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 then trying to nick it, which so far has, has not worked. So I, I don't really know where we go from here. I mean, the, the, the Crystal Palace game, we absolutely have to win it. He has to send out a team. He has to put a team out on that one with a game plan and with the right personnel to actually go and score goals and actually win the game. You know, we but having seen Palace win 5-1, Yes, today, I I can imagine he's he's going to be hiding under the bed sheets all week, and we're going to end up with, you know, a, a, a similar sort of thing and another abysmal one nil defeat. I'll get that prediction in right now. So. <laughs> I'll make a note of that. Um, Jacob, all the, the the stuff he said after the game yesterday, you, you get the impression that he's. I don't think it was a double bluff, is it? He's he's going to stick to these principles for the the remaining eight games. We're not going to see him suddenly switch to a, a four a four four two with a couple of strikers up front and pinging balls into the box. That that's not going to happen. No, because I think from day one, Sellers has always wanted one clear message. Because it's easy to forget, but there's been 15 new signings. It's been a miss mix mash, really. I think between styles, between personnel, a lot of these players weren't really ingrained into Harsin's system because at the start of the season, if you remember, he was playing a back three and he was going a bit more direct. It was, mm. and it's, it's it's been all over the place. And for a young team that are fragile mentally, let's let's be honest. I think it's really important that they just double down now and they're going to stick with the one system and they're going to go with it. I think if Sellers decided to throw everything out, I think it shows signs of weaknesses from his part, but also these adds further confusion to a pretty confused bunch of players as well. So I don't I don't see an issue with that. I think it's more to do with just more to do with the players not being more adaptable or you know, essentially it boils down to not being good enough. I think there's been so many mistakes this season. And I think the last two weeks of Nathan Jones's tenure kind of characterised it really. Sellers was literally looking through the window, watching training. Watch, And you can just only imagine now, picture in training, Sellers is inside at Staplewood and he looks uh, towards the pitches and he sees Nathan Jones working on the back five, hoofing the ball forward. Mm. And in this press conference uh, yesterday, he he alluded to that. He said, we're not a team that can play long because it gets us nowhere. And so we've Southampton essentially wasted two or three months. And now they're trying to go to this playbook again. They're using it for the first time this season because Harsons will throw it out and that's one of his weaknesses and ultimately his downfall. Uh, and these players haven't really had a clear message. So Sellis wants that clear message, even if it's not working, he's going to continue with it. And I, and in some ways, I I credit and applaud him for that because I think if if Southampton completely overhauled everything, then it, it could become even more messy. At least Southampton are staying in games, with the exception of City. Uh, it's just whether they've got the quality now to to win those. Are we actually using the playbook though? Because yeah, it, to me, it looks like. Uh, forget the city game, but it looks like a lot of the tactics are based on the the fear that Ralph had in his game, like Aston Villa away, Wolves mm. away, that sort of thing. It, it it seems to me like we're in the main adopting the bad Ralph tactics, not the not the good Ralph stuff that we had mm. when he first got here, and a, you know a year or so ago when you know we were top of the league for five minutes. Mm. We we seem to. We we seem to have to me we seem to have just picked up on the negativity risk averse. We're just so concerned about our work against the ball, we've forgotten what we're actually supposed to do. I mean, against West Ham, he basically picked ten defenders. He picked ten yeah. ten players for defending. 
that's that's the culture. That's the culture of Salampton at the moment. You know, you see that the way they recruit, the way they recruit. You know, missing out on a lot of of Eze and Annalisa. They've always focused on what a player does out of possession, Uh, and I think that's that's kind of been the last three or four years. There's got to be a balance. Yeah, exactly. That's one of the mistakes. But if you look at Celes as well, he's he's always said that he wants to be positive, and I think you see on a touchline sometimes he's always asking his players to press, to get higher, to get higher, and sometimes he gets frustrated. Even in those that one nil win away to Chelsea, he wanted the team up, but they continue to sink. And I think that's where you just look at the mentality of some of these players. You, you know, you look at these players who are used to losing, and I think even if Southampton go down next year, the first couple of months could be pretty rocky because this team have completely transformed oh, their was, mindset. It was the last time we went down. Mm. I mean, mm. we, we went down and obviously we had Harry Redknapp in charge and he didn't care. And the, the first half of the season, we, we I think we finished about 12th that season. Yeah. And mm. that's that's the sort of thing that you kind of expect when you've had a diabolical season. But the season we went down, we got 32 points. And mm. I think we're struggling to even get 32 this year. Mm. So mm. we'll see. Do you think we'll get to 30 points? That was the thing I was thinking today. <laughs> what are you thinking, Steve? Do we need five wins? <laughs> Five wins from eight games. You take Arsenal, Newcastle out, maybe four wins and a draw. It's it's the hope that kills you, isn't it? I think we we pretty much the last ten minutes just summed up that the damage is already done, and and whatever happens in these these next few games, it, it, it's not going to be enough. I mean, for as long for as long as the gap is theoretically surmountable, then it's you you kind of keep going, and and you look you look at that list of fixtures and there's a lot there that you kind of look you you look through it and other than Arsenal Arsenal away and probably Newcastle away I mean Newcastle away we've we've had a garbage record up there even when we were even when we were good and they were pathetic so <laughs> us going up there now is is I mean you is pretty much a gimme, isn't off. It? Yeah, yeah but um but yeah I mean all, all the others you can you can make an you can make a case um for getting some sort of result if if we turn in one of those performances, and, and let's let's be fair, under Sellers there have been enough encouraging performances. We've we've sat here after games, Spurs game, Chelsea, uh, Leicester, where we've said, and Man United as well, where we've said, okay, there's there's something to build on there. You can see what they're trying to do and how they're trying to do it, and they've executed it quite well. We've limited the number of chances the opposition have created, and we've, and as a result, we've we've managed to get a result. And you can make that you can make that argument for pretty much all the other games that we've got left that that there is a chance that we can do something there. But they've got to start they've got to start with Saturday. And I think basically you go you you take one of those winnable games and you don't get anything out of it. And I mean Palace Palace are one of those sides who. They're probably they're probably the worst sort of team for us to play, really, uh, when you need a win. Because while they are obviously immensely capable of just phoning it in and and handing handing a game to anybody on a plate, they're also a side, especially now Hodgson's back, where they will be very very happy just to sit in deep, um, frustrate the hell out of us, wait for us to kind of run out of ideas, which won't take long against a team that defends well and in numbers. And I mean, as we've seen, we've seen that their game at Leeds today, they've got Elise and Eze and players like um, Edward and Ayu who have just got pace and they just burn teams away on, on the counter-attack. And that will be where, I mean, Palace will basically think, well, this is this. we've got a very obvious game plan here. We sit in, we pick, pick them off on the break and we win comfortably. Um, that will be, that will be, that will be Hodgson's game plan to an absolute T. Um, they won't need to won't necessarily need to come at us from from the start because 
they know they'll know that they'll get the opportunities. Well, if we need four wins and a draw, five wins, we've got to start on Saturday, Glenn. They seem to have hit a bit of form at the the wrong time for us. Yeah, this, this attacking, <laughs> free flowing football. Well, they've had a nice fixture list all of a sudden. Come from nowhere. Yeah, the, they made the change, and obviously it's it's worked out for them. But it's it's not a great time to be playing them, or or is it? Um, well, Palace probably look at it now, having won the last two games. That if they win this one, they'll be safe. So, and they will certainly be looking at this game as one that they can. Uh, they can win and then they can phone it in for the rest of the season almost. You know, a lot of players think in the um, middle and lower level clubs. So, I mean, I was surprised that I was surprised that Vieira got sacked, to be honest, because I thought he's, you know, I thought he'd done a relatively decent job. He'd had a horrible fixture list either side of Christmas. And, um, and they've got a new manager bounce out of a guy who, you know, if he bounced anywhere, he'd break a hip, wouldn't he? But um, <laughs> fair, play, fair play to him. I, I didn't see it coming. And I, I've spoken to a couple of Palace fans as well who, who are mates of mine, and they they couldn't believe Vieira got sacked either. And they just thought, why are we going backwards, you know, to, to Hodgson? But it's it's one of those um, – I mean, it's a nice story. Roy, Roy Hodgson's not someone you could dislike. Um, fair play to him. What for and, fans might disagree. Yeah, what for fans <laughs> might disagree. He didn't do a great job there. But um, – but they had, you know, you mentioned those players earlier on, Zaha, Elise, Eze. They're they're exciting players. They and they're, they're good players. They're the sort of players you want to watch. And if you can mould that into a team structure, then um, then great. And um, you know, fair play to them. I I liked the you know the recruitment of those guys, Elise and Eze. I just thought was you know was was spot on. So I'm I'm kind of glad from that point of view that they're that they're going to be safe. Could they got them, Glenn? You the opportunity. Sorry? Salamsky could have got them. Could yeah, got, well, let's, 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 yeah, but <laughs> playbook and trust process and all that. We'll, we'll do a whole separate episode about the uh, the recruitment um, at the end of the season. Oh, can I'm I sure. miss that one? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Jacob, yeah. we mentioned it earlier, but this is the kind of game that's going to define the season, not Manchester City, is it? it it's this, this, I know we've been saying this for weeks and months now, but it, this is, it's win or we're screwed, aren't we, really? Yeah, it's crunch time. Uh, about <laughs> How many games have we said that about? And Salantis have, have meandered and lost one by one goal. I think um, if we lose this one, we're going to be starting looking at when it's mathematically certain. Yeah. That's, that's what worries me. I, I think this game will illuminate and highlight all the mental strengths and weaknesses of, of this team. Uh, where, from how they start the game, from their energy levels, from their belief. Are they able to keep going? If, as soon as Palace uh, have a attack or have a sustained wave of pressure our slams are going to stand up and I think that's one of the reasons why we've been quite impressed by Benderick recently I think you look at him and he does show that type of leadership and he's one of them at the moment who's puffing at his chest and trying to give it back to these op- the opposition there's there's a lot to to, to take into and you know, it all comes back to that thought or notion of time Sellers needs time and he needs a week now with these players to press like you would have believed he needs these players like Suleimana who he seems to have a go at 24-7 well in the, throughout the 90 minutes on that pitch because he doesn't quite understand the triggers or anything uh, to really draw them in this week uh, they, they've trained today they're going to be in training all week and they've got to go for it I think the atmosphere was good that for, in yesterday in the first half and I think Slamton fans need to stick with them uh, next, next weekend because it's going to be low points it's going to be some rocky moments Moments, uh, but Southampton need to go for it, and they need to be clinical, and they need to do everything they can to to win. And that mentality that I keep talking about, these younger players who have who've been questioned at times with their mentality, they 
those type of players need to stand up as well. And even if you're not going to be in the squad this weekend, given there are 28 of them training at the moment, there's going to be a few negative uh, bodies out there. You know, they've all got to pull in one direction. This is this is the time where Slamton have to be alive, as Ruben Sellers keeps saying. So, it, yeah, I think next weekend's be, I'm looking forward to it because everything's going to come out in, in those 90 minutes. I'm not. I'm massively nervous, I'll be honest. <laughs> um, let's do some score predictions, Glenn. I know you said um, a 1-0 defeat. Are you going to... Do you want that? So I, I put you down for a 1-0 defeat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Steve, score prediction from you, please, sir. Well, it's... <laughs> bust, isn't it? So... Um... <laughs> 1-0 defeat. <laughs> no, I, 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 I kind of feel that I've got... As a supporter, I've got to have optimism fight at, at some point. So, yeah, why not? 1-0 uh, win. A 1-0 win. All right. And uh, uh, Jacob? My favourite scoreline's back. 2-1 win, Southampton. 2-1 win. All right. Okay, fair enough. Quick little update on the, um, before we go on to the uh, the under-18s, uh, quick update on the uh, Fantasy Premier League, by the way, because um, <laughs> final <laughs> few weeks of the season, I know you'd all forgotten about that. And looking at the league table, I know that you three have all forgotten about that. Um, I've, I've done all right this year. Char- you're doing all right, actually. Yeah, you're 12th in the league when I checked this afternoon. Um, Charlie Hawkins, currently number one. Uh, Ilya Markov is second. And Tom McCann is third. So all to play for there. Just... Those that are involved in the pod every week. Alfie currently seventh, I think. Uh, Steve in twelfth, and then I think I was fourteenth, and then Glenn maybe nineteenth. Wow. Um, and yeah, Jacob twenty twenty fifth. But um, um... <laughs> Jeez, I was, I was that bad? Trust, trust the process, a, Jacob. Not <laughs> a great weekend. Uh, not a great weekend. Um, I just want to chat to you about the under 18s as well. It was the FA Youth Cup semi final this week, which saw you heading back to the London Stadium again, and uh, an even worse result in the end. But um, oh. it didn't tell the whole story necessarily. No, I'm absolutely sick of that place. It's just I just can't stand it from the press box. You know, you've got to go up this this one lift basically for the whole stand. So it's like 50 people in the lifts. It's just an absolute nightmare. The, the atmosphere is terrible in there. You're so far away from the pitch. I think I've seen Slam score one goal, which was Don Ballard in, in four trips there. I just horrible place. And um, yes, I thought Slam were okay in, in patches, but they were a bit too pretty, a bit too nice. Did it have that killer, killer instinct or that cutting edge? And you see those big two lads up front for West Ham who just absolutely bullied Southampton's young centre halves. But yeah, I think the the B team and the under 18s have shown good progress in the last couple of years. The playbook seems to be working okay uh, in certain situations, but the gap between the PL2 and the PL1 is vast at the moment. And um, yeah, West Ham have got a lot of players. That I just they look you look at and you think they're much physically bigger, and and ultimately that that kind of makes a difference in academy football, especially in those ages. But yeah, it wasn't a great uh, scoreline, but there's a lot of talented players there. And, you know, there's big decisions they've got to make as well. Some of them are out of contract uh, this season, the ones that signed the pro deals. And if they don't see a pathway into the first team, uh, then they'll probably likely leave, like we saw with Jimmy J. Morgan. Are you surprised that we haven't seen a few more of them feature in the, the matchday squads, Glenn? Or do you, do you think that's just a, a testament to where we are and, and, and not wanting to put the, the pressure on them at the moment? Um, I, I don't think we're brave enough to play them, to be honest. And we've got a first-team squad that's got too many players in it anyway. So, yeah, you could certainly make an argument for Dominic Ballard to um, to, to certainly, you know, being a, a player who puts a you know puts in a cameo off the bench. I mean, is he going to be any is he going to be any worse than Adam Armstrong or any of the others? You know, the strikers that we've been using or not using. So, uh, I, I would certainly think he should maybe be an option but there is there is a world of difference between under 18s football and um 
and and men's football, it's yeah, for every Romeo Lavia, there's 15 players who can't handle it yet. So, uh, so I'm not I'm not really surprised, but um, but yeah, out, from from what I've seen, yeah, maybe Dominic Ballard as a striker, especially as you know we, we're obviously struggling so badly for um, for goals in the in the first team. But uh, no, I'm not I'm not surprised that we're not seeing many of them. Is that the positive we need to end on, Steve? The the, the future they're looking. There's some gems in that academy at the moment, and we've not had that for a few years. Um, we have, but. The problem, the problem comes with um, basically what level we're at and what level we're we're kind of targeting to be at ultimately. Because one thing we noticed that basically as soon as we as soon as we got promoted to the Premier League, basically we had we obviously had um, Shaw and War Prowse both come through at the same time. But beyond that, there wasn't a great deal, and there's not been a great deal in that intervening period. And I mean, think about it, that's that's what um, eleven years now. Hmm. Um, the the level the base level required for a young player coming through an academy to get into a Premier League first team is just enormous. The 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 gap as I mean as Glenn says physically is is immense. You've got to be you've got to already have physically developed pretty much pretty much as an adult, even if you're seventeen, eighteen, I think, in order to um in order to fit into a um into a Premier League team. Unless your technical ability is just off the scale, then yeah, you're you're gonna struggle, I think. And realistically the loan system is is probably the the likely avenue for for a lot of these players if they do stick around. But the problem is a lot of them will be sold a sold a dud. Um, like Jimmy J. Morgan's obviously been told by Chelsea, yeah, there's a pathway. I mean, the the lad's clearly clearly got his eyes shut and hasn't been paying attention for the last 20 years <laughs> because there is no pathway at Chelsea. There, mm. There's never been a pathway at Chelsea. You might play, you might get a, get a handful of um, Carabao Cup games. Maybe that earns you a 30 grand a week contract, maybe, which, I mean, maybe for these kids, that, that's that's all they want. But if you're determined to play football at the highest level, um, unfortunately, there is no pathway into into most, pretty much all Premier League first teams. Um, so you've got to prove, go out and prove yourself at senior in senior football in the football league, and that's that's the only that's the only way. If you if you can if you can demonstrate that you can hack it at a lower level amongst um, less less technically gifted um, centre backs, shall we say, as an attacking player, then yeah, by all means, um, there there's then probably a pathway through and you you've you've proven yourself and given you um and you you might get an opportunity but unless you can unless you can demonstrate that that you can go up against the very best that adult football can can throw at you um unfortunately that that pathway is is going to continue to be blocked and I'm not to be honest if and if and when we go down I'm not sure that will necessarily change an awful lot in the championship given that our our goals will be very immediate and very urgent yeah, yeah. I can just imagine West Ham getting relegated as well, Jacob, and you'll still have to go back to the London Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> just having your luck. Please, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you for uh, your contributions this week. Don't forget you can follow Total Saints Podcast on Facebook and on Twitter. It's at Total Saints Pod. Uh, the website's totalsaints.co.uk. There's a link on there to the online shop. And, of course, you can get in touch with us. Drop us an email during the week because we'd love to hear from you. We're also on Patreon, as I mentioned at the start. That's where you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution. It's Patreon. Uh, 
patreon.com forward slash Total Saints podcast. Different tiers on there, ranging from £5 to £20 per month. Each of the tiers comes with its own perks, and one of those is a weekly shout at the end of the pod for those patrons in the Francis Benali and the Mick Shannon tier. So thanks as always to Dave Melton, Mark Atkins, Matt Hall, Andy Hollis, and Anthony Thompson in the Francis Benali tier. And also to Colt Baker, Dave Ernsberger, Ed Busy, Nick Higston, Phil Cook, Matt Rose, and Nick Reed in the Mick Shannon tier. Uh, thank you, Steve. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you again next week. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.